0: This program was produced by and first broadcast on Radio Kidnappers, a community access media station. Thanks to New Zealand On Air for making this type of programming possible.
1: The information provided or any opinions expressed in this show are of a general nature only and should not be construed or relied on as a recommendation to invest in a financial product or class of financial products. You should seek financial advice specific to your circumstances from a financial advisor before making any financial decisions. A disclosure statement can be obtained free of charge. See
0: You're listening to Radio Kidnappers, the voice of Hawke's Bay. This is a program called Candy View. It's all about your finances, and it's my pleasure for the first time this year to have in the studio the CEO of the Stewart Group from right here in Hastings, Nick Stewart. How are you going, Nick? Very good.
2: You? Happy New Year to hey, you. To I can still you. say that, can't I? I know,
0: you can't say that. I mean, <laughs> when can you stop saying that? When do you
2: stop saying it? I don't know. Is yeah, well, I mean, Christmas decorations, <laughs> decorations at Labor Weekend and the retail stores last year. So, yeah, you know, 1st of Feb, Happy New Year. And is it... There's probably
0: cr- hot cross buns in the uh, groceries already, aren't there? Actually, we had
2: some hot cross buns really? on about the 4th <laughs> of January. They weren't advertised as hot cross buns, but boy, they tasted oh, and looked the joking. same. <laughs> they were great.
0: <laughs> I see there's Easter eggs already in countdown, so it's just around Oh, that probably
2: last year's stock or well, the year before.
0: <laughs> yeah, right. I'm kidding. I won't tell my wife that because she's a partial to an <laughs> Easter egg. <laughs> anyway, you're here from the, uh, the Stuart Group, and uh, you're an institution. I see on your Facebook page you're celebrating your birthday 35 years. Yeah. That's a good long haul, isn't it? Right. Mate,
2: it is. It's fabulous. We um, Yeah, we had a little a little celebration last week. Uh, my father, our founding principal, he was he um he was um heading away for a couple of days on the Thursday Friday. So we had a a an early celebration on the Tuesday. We had a, had a nice chocolate cake and some some of those famous meatballs from Hastings yes. Ken. You know the ones that <laughs> I know the ones. It, a little bit like I was trying to explain to some of our team that haven't weren't born and bred in Hawke's Bay or Hastings that I I was explaining that like those kind of um Deep fried mm. uh encrust um bread crumb encrusted crunchy meatballs. On outside, crunchy right? on the outside. That they're a real Hawke's Bay Hastings thing. Yes, they are. A- a- akin to those from Invercargill mm. who would have those cheesy roll ups. Yeah. You know, the bit of white bread, um, with the cheese and onion dip wrapped in the middle and you know, spread and then mm. rolled up yeah. and then baked. Very, very similar. And they would so that was our kind of little um our little bit of um um, local fair. He's going from the main mill bar, did not we? Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. God, yeah the, go on. Yeah, in that. fact, I read um, in the newspaper, it would have been about two years ago, someone actually published a little comment about where those meatballs came from, and I think it may have been, it was, oh, it might be right here, um, that it was a a person of person of Polish descent, really? I think. Who um, created them in the uh, mid mid nineteen fifties? Well, they did it was a little. Awards. But what, was it the li- the Lilac Bakery that oh, was yeah, making it? That. Yeah. Is, oh, it? am I is that, am I right? Have yeah, you no, heard that? yeah, no,
0: that's right. Yeah, the yep. Lilac Bakery. God, that takes me
2: back a bit. Yeah, yeah. It does.
0: Anyway, before we <laughs> before we get on to today's topic, which are many and varied. Mm. Just remind our listeners, Nick. Um, I mean, you are um, a financial group, but why would we come and see the Stewart Group as opposed to going to see uh, someone at the bank?
2: Uh, okay, well, I mean, it's quite funny you should say that because at the moment, um, it's reputed in the financial services press that, um, and the, um, on the social media of all things, that Kiwi Bank are currently looking at offloading their investment arm, so offloading their wealth division and their Kiwi State division. That's according to the press. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, the bank have phoned and the commenters. No comment. Um, But the fact is that a lot of the mainstream banks have exited and sold both their insurance divisions, many have offloaded their KiwiSaver divisions, uh, but most importantly, those people who have entrusted the bank with their wealth management, their investments, um, those who are fortunate to have a, a full financial plan from a bank. You can imagine that you're no longer a client of that bank because your relationship has been sold on to somebody else yeah. so there's a reason for dealing with local and the fact that the fact is that for us as a business, as you just said you know we're celebrating our thirty yeah. fifth anniversary right. so for three and a half decades we've been in the same street of Hastings yes, in only two buildings hmm. uh, one of two so You know, we're here for the long term, you know. And that's part of dealing with someone local. It would be akin to dealing with someone in like if you think about the medical profession, you know, there's you've got your private practitioners, you know, your local family owned business, and then you've got those that are on the corporate side. Well, generally Um, Within the corporate sphere, you find that you don't have the same continuity of care in terms of the individual. The organization will be there, but the individuals come and go. Whereas, you know, someone who's like a family practitioner, they're there for the long term. A little bit like back in the day, Ken. You know, so if I think about in my time, I have had three GPs. Mm-hmm. Now, the first one was when I was born, and I was with him until he retired. Then the second one, I was with him until he retired about five years ago, and now I'm with another one, and you know what? I'll be there until (laughs) he retires. Whereas at the moment, as some of our younger team members that have moved back to Hawke's Bay, it's actually very, very hard to get that old-school-style GP who's there for the long term because many of them move. And unfortunately, a lot of people have to go through the kind of corporate environment where you never deal with the same person each time you go in. um, So I know that's a very long way of answering your question, but the reason is, you know, deal with local. You know the people will be there. Their organization is not for sale. They paddle their own walker and they're part of the community. And that's what we try to do, as well as being good at what we do. And the fact is, you know, we have, um, you know, we bring the best of um, finance and academia to Hawke's Bay in what we do. Yes, indeed. And you're in Wellington as well. We are. We have an office in, on the terrace in Wellington. Yeah.
0: Uh, just while we're uh, talking about banks, banks are taking a bit of stick at the moment because they've been drilling down into uh, people's lifestyle when they're approaching them for a loan to buy a house. Yes. Are the banks on the right tr- track there? Is that what they should be doing?
2: Well, look, um, a huge amount of regulation has um, has headed down the... Has you know, headed down that river, um, you know, the banking river, and they're having to deal with that, just the same as we've had to deal in financial services. On the advice side, we've had to deal with regulation. The unfortunate piece is that the most recent um, piece of legislation to float down that river has been in the form of the, um, effectively like a code of conduct for lending, Mm. and that was only enacted on the 1st of December last year. So, in other words, well, sorry, the legislation was passed Mm. prior, but... The actual, where the rubber meets the road and the banks had to actually embrace it and make it happen started late last year. Now, the uh, select committee, um, so that is where – that is like a uh, – it's typically chaired by a member of the um, current government, but you've got all political parties sit there. I've had to present to select committee a number of times myself in person in Wellington. Mm. I think these days it's probably done on Zoom, to yeah. be frank, whereas this is back in the day where there was no COVID, no, no masks, no vaccines, and you rocked into <laughs> yes. Parliament, and you got to have your say, and it was fun. But having been through that process and seen some of the outcomes of what's happened on this one – that the select committee was warned that, that there would be downstream – sorry, excuse the pun mm. on the river mm. – but there would be downstream negative ramifications for the enactment of this legislation. And here we are, here we are two months later. Uh, lending has stalled. Yep. There's been a material decline in lending. Um, and it's not just a material decline from, like, the street lender. In other words, the second, third-tier lenders, um, you know, the loan sharks. Yeah. This is mainstream. This is people that have two incomes, um, you know they're not that high, they're not particularly highly indebted they've often had relationships with the banking institution for decades, never missed a payment you know the old story you know long time mm-hmm. listener first time caller yeah uh, again, another pun for the radio there buddy <laughs> <laughs> the um, but yeah, and a lot of these people are finding that uh, it's problematic and they're having to jump through phenomenal hoops to um, achieve what would have been, back in November, a very, very easy loan or debt instrument to achieve, whereas now they're finding that, you know, to get a $5,000 overdraft, they're having to go through a full inquisition. Now, um, you know, that can be for some people who have um, a number of entities. You might have a trust company um, or a couple of companies. You can imagine, you know, going through a forensic process like that is time-consuming, mm, and if you have true. to involve your accountant, therefore the costs go up because they have to be paid for their time as well. So, look, there's been some massive unintended um, um, unintended consequences here, but the fact is the banks and those lending institutions are only acting upon what they read in this code of conduct. Mm. So the um, Dr. David Clark, the Minister of Commerce... Um, he 's come out and has launched an inquiry unfortunately, not into the legislation itself, but into into the actions of the market participants yes. so i don 't know if you 've ever heard the term you know jump jump jumping the shark, mm. but I yes. mean, I would dare I say it David has jumped the shark here and rather right. than going after the legislation he 's gone after the market participants and saying they 've misinterpreted the legislation yeah. now i don 't know about you, Kim, but um, you and i don 't have. Yeah. The big law firms on our side giving us wise counsel, including internal legal counsel as the banks do. The banks will only be operating on what they've told from their internal um, attorney, their external, and also their compliance departments, both internal and external. So if they're told, hey, this is the interpretation of legislation, it's not just because a bank executive has chosen it to be that way. They will be well-guided. And a lot of these same banks and individuals were saying at select committee, "Hey, there are going to be negative outcomes as a result of this." And here we are. Yeah, we've arrived there, and it's it's just really unfortunate because at the same time that we've got pretty close to a lockdown. Because if you look at you know yeah, traffic like red, um, you know you've got um, you know I was talking to um, one of my colleagues in Wellington. He said, you know, the old term you could, you know, you could fire a gun down um, the terrace. There's no one there. Mm. Um, you know, some of my friends and clients in Auckland said that, you know, they can drive home uh, from the CBD to their home in under 10 minutes. Wow. And, you know, it's 5 p.m. Yeah. There's no one on the motorway. There's no one shopping. Um, there's a lot of pain. So it's effectively mm-hmm. like a lockdown. So at the same time, we've got a, a material decline in lending. Um, we've also got an economy that is slowing and quickly. Yeah. So that, that that isn't great. We
0: could have left this for a bit at the end when we talk about politics, but I mean, um, what are are the long-term ramifications of uh, that sort of policy? Do you think they're looking at that now saying, geez, we might have made a bit of a mistake there, let's wind that back, or is that here for the long term?
2: Well, on the basis that there's an inquiry being launched into the actions of the market participants rather than the legislation itself, I would say this is going to drag on, Mm. because, look, I'm governed by a principles-based piece of legislation as well, the Code of Conduct for Mm -hmm. Financial Advisors. It is a principles-based approach. It is not prescriptive. So it is at the interpretation of the participants until you are prosecuted. So in other words, at the moment with new legislation, you know there's been no bodies dragged down the street, so no one quite yet knows where the rules are. So therefore, everyone plays very, very safely. Like you're paddling way ahead of the yeah. wave because you don't want to get caught. You don't want to be that laggard who's made an example of but that's what happens with a principle-based piece of legislation. Everyone acts in the, everyone goes above and beyond because there is no, there is no baseline. Mm. So therefore, this is the outcome of that. So for, um, for a minister or associate minister to try to jawbone people down into taking more risk mm. and getting a bit closer to the rocks, you know, not paddling out so far. You're encouraging people to possibly suffer a fine, at worst, imprisonments or prosecution. That seems, I mean, I don't know, in simple terms, insane, that that you would be encouraged to do that. It would be – it's a little bit like now the Reserve Bank governor encouraged bankers only in the last 12 months to be brave and to to lend to businesses to support them now, if you couple that at one area, so that 's the reserve bank governor encouraging banks to lend, but on the other side, you have a code of conduct of lending that if it is proved that one of your staff makes a loan to an individual that they shouldn 't have mm. because it put that position in undue pressure and strife and you 're prosecuted, can you now not see that like the rubber band can 't be pulled both ways? Mm. Well, it can for a period of time until yeah. it breaks. Sure. But the fact is that on this one, you've got these these different levers that are pulling the wrong way, and so the banks naturally will err, err, err on the side of caution. Now, remember, banks make money through lending, so they do want to lend money. Of course, you know that, that's <laughs> anyone that says the opposite or that they, they are um, um, a little bit delusional because yeah. banks make money through lending, just the same as. You know, other businesses sell widgets. You need to sell to survive. So the banks do want to lend, but just that principles based approach on what's come through that was intended to protect people from the loan sharks, those second and third tier lenders, has actually affected mainstream. Now, that may not have been the intended consequence when the original draft legislation was, um, you know, first saw the light of Mm. day, but they were warned at select committee that this was a likely outcome.
0: Do you think this is the catalyst of what we've talked about for the
2: last couple of five years uh, of the property bubble bursting um yeah well you and I have always said that um, and we've discussed it many times that what would slow the what would slow the housing market would be a couple of things would be um, slowing migration um, the second would be a material increase in the cost of interest rates but one that we didn't factor is a squeeze of credit mm-hmm now, because normally that just, in, in this day and age, that doesn't happen. Um, it hasn't happened for quite some period of time mm. because a lot of people have studied what happened in the Great Depression and saw what happened when institutions were starved of capital. But we certainly did know, we do know what happens when interest rates increase. So we know interest rates have been increasing. Uh, it's forecast that, um, I believe it's this week, the Reserve Bank I will make another monetary policy statement announcement and likely adjustment. The market is factoring that that will go up by another 0.25 or 25 basis points. So that means that if you and I have, if we're substantially indebted, Ken, the amount of money you know, in the next fortnight or a month later that's going to go out to pay the mortgage increases But the fact of the squeezing of credit is one that people didn't factor into the equation. And that could potentially mean that a lot of people who, who A, wanted to get on the housing ladder for the first time find that it's actually prohibitive. And the fact that they actually can't look at getting on the ladder now, they have to wait 90 days because they'll be told by their mortgage broker that they need a clean set of books or accounts for 90 days. So in other words... um, Maybe, you know, some home barbecues, um, yes. maybe a little bit of an espresso um, rather than the coffees out and the meals out, etc. So people, you know, need to have a clean set of accounts for those 90 days. So effectively, it just pushes a whole lot of decisions and outcomes out for a period of time. The other one that I was talking with someone about the other day is that, you know, you and I both know and we hear these stories that, you know, building projects go a little over budget. Everything's increasing in cost. So you imagine if you were going for a top-up on a loan just to cover the finishing of that house build, Ken, and you go into the bank and the bank manager just says, hey, sorry, there's this new piece of legislation and um, I don't think we're going to be able to lend you this last portion of capital that you need. Well, these are the types of discussions mm. that are happening. And, Ken, the worst one, and these are some of the ones that, that I have been reading about, and that's people that use their home. you know, mm. a, a lot of New Zealand small business is funded off the back of the home. So you imagine that you're trying to pay the wages, you've maybe got a contract you'd like to take on and you just need a little bit more working capital to make that happen, and normally you'd borrow a little bit against the house, which of course has doubled and mm. tripled in value yeah. over the over preceding years, and you go to the bank just to top, top up your livelihood, livelihood being your business, mm. and you're told that that's going to be problematic. Or at best, hey, It'll take us about a month to get that through. You know, yeah. it's just, it's it's a shame, and and that's why in my article in The weekend's paper was the headline was For Want of a Nail, and it was just about those scathing accounts of the new credits contract, Contracts and Consumer Finance Act, this code of conduct. So it would, you know, they need to handle this with kid gloves, and the fact is that a commission of inquiry that could drag on for weeks, if not months, would be disappointing. Whereas they could call, um, they could seek in Parliament to uh, amend the legislation quickly, or even, hey, Struth, repeal it. Yeah. Now, that could be done very, very quickly, and then they go back to the drawing board. But I think at this time, yeah, I just say kid gloves.
0: Do these um, Does this credit contracts and consumer finance act only apply in the main to the banks, or could we go to our building Society and they say,
1: yeah, well, look.
2: We no, no, it, it applies to all. Across the board. It's across the board, because remember I talked about the sec- second tier and third yes. tier lenders? It was actually designed to tackle them. You, I, I mean, I remember watching Chris Farfoy on television, and Chris was talking about what was happening with some of these this predatory lending, and it's sad. I mean, these people just get, I mean, like payday lenders. You know, mm. uh, effectively, you know, They've got you,
1: yeah. Forever. And I
2: could, see, and you could see what Chris was trying to achieve, but just wow, it, it's just gone. It's gone very, very broad, and unfortunately, it's landed just at a very unfortunate time.
0: Bearing in mind that uh, nearly twenty minutes of doom and gloom yeah. that you have been spouting there, <laughs> does, does it surprise you that, that <laughs> we started Happy New Year? <laughs> I know. Does it surprise you that um, house prices have sort of stayed up there?
2: Um, yeah, they have so far, but you, you know, there's always a massive head of steam that comes up um, with, with with most markets. So the fact is that we haven't really seen a stalling yet, and that's because a lot of contracts are still being fulfilled. So, in other words, you know, people who agreed to contracts, people who had cash, all of those things will happen. Um, you've also got there's there's a behaviour pattern that I've been reading about globally, and there's a little bit about it that's been coming out in New Zealand, and that's that. Can, if you're a baby boomer, and, you know, would you, you no, okay, categorize yeah, yourself in a baby yeah, boomer? Yeah. Yep. So there are a lot of baby boomers where they're saying at the moment, look, they've got such a significant inflated balance sheet now mm. with the house prices and what's happened, and uh, as a cohort, very little debt, mm. that many of them can actually afford to weather a number of storms. So yes. some will... What people are saying is that even though the baby boomer will know that it's not fiscally prudent to make the decision, in other words, to in this market to buy a lake house at Wanaka or Mm. or, or, or whatever it is, or to buy that expensive new car they desire, the fact is they can afford to actually consume their balance sheet or live off their assets, spend more than they earn. For a very long period of time, thanks to the massive inflation boom that we've seen in mm. uh, house prices um, over the last oh, it's truth, particularly over the last four to five years. Yeah, look,
0: we're just about coming to the end of the program, yes. but I, I wonder if we if we look at it from say a political point of view, there's no doubt in my mind that uh, there are many many people out there blaming the government for uh, for what's happening right now. But I mean, if we if we change the the rolls around and said, OK, well, let's make national in the government right now.
2: It's not going to change, is it? No, it's not, because a lot of these things, it builds up a head of steam over a, over a long period of time. Yeah. And if we think about, you know, if we think about, if we go back to, say, that kind of John Key Bill English um, blue period, um, I'm just doing blue in terms of um, colours of parties here, so we think about the blue period, house price inflation was OK. But it was pretty benign compared to the period of red that we've just had. So we've had a a real massive period of inflation. Now, if there was a change of government, the government has to, A, kind of get its feet in the door. Well, firstly, there has to be a transition, Mm -hmm. and you'd want one better than the Muldoon transition to Longy, which was a bit of a mess, as you know, which delays and stalls things. And then people actually have to do an assessment and say, well, where do we actually want to be? You've then got to pass through legislation or amendments to legislation. It takes quite a long time to change things. But then also, if we're in an environment where we've got global inflation, and I know the Minister of Finance spoke about this last week and tried to uh, pass off that all of those ills in New Zealand are global issues mm. and that they really have nothing to do with what we're doing here, which of course we all know is mm. political speak. Um, but the fact is that if you're running against, if you're swimming against the tide. It is hard. So if you've got global inflation that's cranking along at five percent, and in New Zealand you're you know you're you're with the tide, you know we're all mm. connected in society. Yeah, I mean the price of a widget here is reflective of the price in the United States or China because they're linked to the same underlying commodities. Sometimes, dare I say it, the some, same same. Um, Workforce. So, if you think about, it, you might buy your iPhone that says designed in California, but the things, the things manufactured and assembled in China. Mm. So you're Be- using similar labour pool. So we're all connected, which means, unfortunately, it's quite difficult. So, in answer to your question, if even if we had a change of government, um, which we're not at the moment because we don't have an election for another eighteen to twenty two months, um, depending on the date that the mm. prime minister calls it. But the fact is, it would take some time for things to change, just just as it was, you know, when when um, the Longy regime came in and took over from Muldoon.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
2: Boy, you know that was uh, that was a, a period of a lot of upheaval and took them a long period of time to right the ship. Yeah.
0: Bearing in mind, uh, we've got about a minute yes. to go. Just a quick word on uh, someone listening to this program who you know might have had a substantial deposit for a house. Uh, they might have been turned down because of this new legislation. What what light at the end of the tunnel for them, Nick? Is there light at the end of the tunnel? Well, the light
2: at the end of the tunnel is that um, one. Most economists are now forecasting. Some are forecasting a material decline in the price of housing. Others are saying that it's going to be slightly negative, if not flat. So the people, if you listen to the economists, if they turn out to be true, mm-hmm. and, you know, even even the, even the MET service is pretty accurate. It's not yes. bad. Um, so if you look at that, time is on their side. It also means that they can get themselves used to uh, running a slightly tighter household budget as they get ready mm-hmm. for that application process on round two, if they've been declined the first time. Um, yeah, so they can kind of sit back and reflect – and do a little bit more planning. But look, you know, very unfortunate if you had your heart set on it, Mm -hmm. and there are many people that have been saving for years diligently to get to this point, only to find that um, this um, difficult piece of legislation, and in turn the interpretation of it, has um, delayed their goals, which is a pity. Good on you, Nick. A pleasure to talk with
0: you as always. Just uh, remind our listeners we want to have some sound financial advice, where do we get it?
2: You can get it at 204 Catamoe Road in Hastings. That's the black basalt stone building with the Tartan logo. Or on the Terrace in Wellington. As always, my pleasure. Look after yourself. Talk to the same
0: time, same place next time.
1: Thank you. Information provided, or any opinions expressed in this show, are of a general nature only, and should not be construed or relied on as a recommendation to invest in a financial product or class of financial products. You should seek financial advice specific to your circumstances from a financial advisor before making any financial decisions. A disclosure statement can be obtained free of charge.